VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. We thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today. Folks, could I invite you to listen very carefully today, call others to tune in. We have have a very important topic we need to deal with. It was 12 days ago that I emailed Alex Newman asking him to join us again on Crosstalk to talk about the, the multiple crises that we're being warned of. I mean, we're we just to put all this stuff together, we've been warned about a food crisis, a, a, an energy crisis, a, a global climate change crisis, a financial crisis. I mean, the list goes on. Alex had already been speaking on this issue, even when I contacted him. And, and so we set up an interview for today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this week, the World Economic Forum is meeting in Davos, Switzerland. And on the eve of these multi-day meetings, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, called 2023 the year of the poly crisis, declaring that economic, environmental, social, and geopolitical crises are converging and conflating, creating an extensively versatile and uncertain future. One who follows the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the World Treaties, and World Events is with us today. We welcome Alex Newman. He's an award-winning international freelance journalist, author, researcher, educator, and consultant, senior editor for The New American, author of The Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes, founder of Liberty Sentinel. Alex, thanks for joining us. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, even before Klaus Schwab declared 2023 the year of the poly crisis, Alex, you were out speaking, you were out warning, you were out writing about this bombardment of all these crises that are really coming to a boiling point. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, it's fascinating. I had been using the term poly crisis for some months. Uh, the first person I ever heard use that term was uh, Patrick Wood, who wrote uh, several books with the great historian Anthony Sutton of Stanford University. And um, starting in uh, about October, I started giving uh, talks uh, all over the place. It started in Salt Lake City about uh, this poly crisis and how the uh, establishment was basically gearing up to use uh, almost a never-ending series of crises to advance their agenda. And so we warned about uh, the coming food crisis, the coming energy crisis, the coming uh, currency crisis. Uh, and uh, as Klaus Schwab explained, uh, these crises are now all merging into one kind of polycrisis of doom, and uh, it's it's working out very, very conveniently for them. But I think really people should have seen this coming from a long way away. But unfortunately, those who are just tuned into the regular uh, so-called mainstream media are not going to get this information until it's too late to, to take sensible precautions. Okay, so Alex, so the World Economic Forum Summit is going on as we speak. Who is attending this? Uh, the list is pretty impressive, uh, maybe not quite as impressive as it has been in previous years. Uh, Joe Biden didn't go for whatever reason, maybe because he's dealing with the uh, classified document scandal. Uh, Xi Jinping, the uh, mass murdering dictator of China, also did not attend, uh, although he has served as keynote speaker in the past, and him and Klaus Schwab have a uh, very, very intimate relationship. In fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, Klaus Schwab came out and said, um, and I'll, I'll do my best Klaus Schwab impression, uh, the communist Chinese model offers a very good role model for many countries. Uh, so he, he loves the uh, the communist Chinese system. It's very bizarre. But uh, you do have over 50 heads of state there. You have uh, leaders of all the major international organizations, the head of the IMF, the head of the United Nations, the head of the European Parliament, the head of the European Commission. Um, it, it's really a who's who of people. You also have the CEOs of all the um, major corporations, right? You have uh, the CEO of Pfizer, the CEO uh, or uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon is there. Uh, you have senior executives at the Gates Foundation. You have, uh, again, Albert Bourla of Pfizer, who uh, really is in the hot seat at the moment. Uh, lots and lots of business leaders. You have, uh, from the United States, you have the head of the FBI is there. You have uh, John Kerry, who's uh, Joe Biden's uh, climate czar. You've got multiple lawmakers, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, a uh, Democrat of West Virginia. You have Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona. Um, you, you also have some Republicans there that I, I think we all ought to be a little bit concerned about. The governor of Georgia is there, uh, Governor Kemp. Um, Congressman Mike Gallagher, who's supposed to be heading up the Congressional Committee looking into Communist China and the CCP, is there. So uh, a lot of very influential individuals from the business world, from the political world, uh, from the nonprofit world, from the international organizations. 
And I think we all ought to be very, very concerned about this. Indeed. And the Epic Times also talks about central bank governors being there, 39 heads of global organizations like the U.N., International Monetary Fund, World Trade Organization, uh, 600 CEOs, they report, 700 d- different companies. Many are Americans. So what are we g- going to expect from this, Alex, that all of these Americans that are there, John Kerry, uh, Christopher Ray, and others are going to then bring their influence back to the U.S. to to propagate this 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 fear this this uh, propagation of crises yeah and i think that really is the role of the world economic forum to give these people talking points i mean it's not in the sense of like they give them direct orders but they give them uh, a way of thinking about the issues and a way of framing the issues and policies for addressing the issues. And in many cases, again, they, these people are causing the crises, the issues that they are concerned about. But a big part of it is also fear-mongering. Uh, if you look at the World Economic Forum uh, announcement of the poly crisis, uh, the subheader for that right in the headline is uh, how concerned should we be? And, of course, the answer to that, if you listen to the World Economic Forum, is uh, be afraid, be very afraid, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. uh, almost exactly contrary to what God commands his people, right? We are told to fear not hundreds of times uh, in the Bible. In fact, uh, Bible scholars have counted 365 times, one for every day of the week. I've got pasted on my computer in front of me here, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, fear thou not, yes. for I am with thee, right? So we as Christians should not be afraid, but one of the goals, I think, of this summit is to um, stir up enormous amounts of fear uh, to, and then to help ultimately steer the response to these crises in a way that is uh, desired and agreeable to the wishes of these people at the at the top of the World Economic Forum, which, you know, there is Klaus Schwab, but of course Klaus Schwab was recruited by Henry Kissinger, who himself was recruited by David Rockefeller. So I think Klaus Schwab is really more the front man than, um, than the big cheese, but uh, the, there's a very specific purpose with these meetings, and that is to, to advance the agenda of the people behind the scenes. So their theme is cooperation in a fragmented world. So I guess all of these crises are part of the fragmented world and and the cooperation. Is this the kumbaya moment where we are to come together and and this global organization is going to be the savior for everyone? Yeah, and and that's what they want us to think, right? I, I think the World Economic Forum plays a very specific role in this push toward the one world order. And and the the space that they've carved out for themselves is to bring the com- the business community to the table. And so, yes, uh, governments come and policymakers come, but uh, they have other institutions that they use for these purposes, like the United Nations. Uh, I'm reminded of what Peter Drucker said. Uh, Peter Drucker, his kind of cover story was that he was a, a management guru, right? And um, he came up with this idea uh, that uh, the, the way to bring about major changes in the world is through a three-legged stool process. And, and he described the three legs. He said the first leg of the stool was the, the public sector, the governments of the world. And so the United Nations plays a, a big role in kind of corralling all the governments and bringing them together behind this agenda of the, the one world crowd. Um, then you have the, the second leg of the stool is the business community, the private sector. Uh, that's where the World Economic Forum comes in. And they've come up with you know, specific agreements. In fact, in 2019, the World Economic Forum signed uh, what they described as a strategic partnership with the United Nations to implement Agenda 2030 by bringing the business community into the fold. And, um, you know, Klaus Schwab very regularly talks about how uh, business and government need to join forces for this. Uh, and then the third leg of the stool is the religious component, the social sector. And so you, you add each of these three legs, and that is what you use to bring these big changes about. And so I think that's what the World Economic Forum is doing, is bringing business and government and the social sector, right, which would include the Gates Foundation, the Soros people, they're all there, um, getting them all on the same page about how are we going to respond as these crises unfold? What kind of policies? What should business be doing? What should government be doing? How should they be working together? And I think that really is the, the main goal of this year's summit. Alex Newman is with us today. And Alex, I've got an audio clip here from uh, one of the presenters. I believe it is uh, Johan Rockström, uh, the uh, Swedish scientist uh, who spoke uh, earlier today calling this a planetary crisis. Here's the, the, the clip. Dear friends, scientifically, this is not a climate crisis. We are now facing something deeper. Mass extinction, air pollution, undermining ecosystem functions, really putting humanity's future at risk. This is a planetary crisis. This is a safety crisis, but above all, it is also a justice crisis. 
Many areas in the world are uninhabitable. This uninhabitable zone is increasing. If we continue with our greenhouse gas emissions, then by 2070, as many as 3 billion people will live in uninhabitable zones. Alex, quite a, quite a statement made by these two speakers there. Yes, it is. And uh, Johan Rockström has a long relationship with the World Economic Forum. In fact, I covered his comments to the World Economic Forum at the UN Climate Summit uh, when I was in Egypt just uh, a few months ago. Um, and he actually said there that this, this crisis is so huge, we need to stop talking about voluntary measures, and we need, he, he, he described it as a radical shift in governance. Um, he's, he's talking about forcible measures to basically lock down the planet under the guise of saving global warming. Um, he said we needed four to six trillion dollars worth of wealth redistribution every year from richer countries to poorer countries, which really means, you know, you lose the poor and the middle class and the wealthier nations and redistribute it to the kleptocrats and the wealthy elites of third world nations. And um, th- this goes right along with their theme, right? We've got this crisis. And, you know, some of these crises are real. Uh, you know, they, they have indeed sabotaged the food system. So there's going to be uh, a dramatic increase in hunger, in famines. Uh, I've been warning about this for years now. Uh, the, the World Economic Forum and the UN both played uh, a direct role in causing the food crisis that we are already entering and that's going to accelerate. Uh, they are, of course, uh, big players in causing the energy crisis that we're dealing with. Uh, they've been shutting down power plants all across the Western world, uh, coal-fired power plants, uh, gas-fired power plants, also nuclear power plants, right? Nuclear power doesn't release any CO2, and yet they say we got to shut that down as well. So this is not about CO2 or climate. Uh, climate is one of the fake crises, right? Well, they, they've done... Um, really quite a, a PR coup here where they've been able to convince a big part of the world. It's, it's hard to have an accurate uh, gauge on how many people actually believe this stuff, but a very significant number. Uh, they've convinced them that every time something happens, uh, a hurricane, a drought, a flood, a tornado, whatever it is, uh, their immediate response is, well, that was because of climate change and that's because of our CO2 emissions. And so this plays right into uh, what they are promoting. Uh, and I think Frederick Bastiat, back in the 1800s, really hit the nail on the head. Uh, he was the uh, the great lawmaker, a uh, philosopher from France who wrote uh, works like The Law. Uh, he said totalitarians have a habit of uh, concocting the poison and the antidote in the same laboratory. And so I think that's what we're witnessing here. They've invented a climate crisis. That's the poison. And then the antidote is give up more of your freedom, give up more of your money, give more power to governments, let corporations do whatever they feel like it to run us over, and that will solve this imaginary crisis. So you have the poison and the antidote being developed in the same laboratory by the same individuals who have a very, very sinister agenda that has nothing to do with saving the planet or preserving the environment. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Alex Newman is our guest today, and we're talking about, yes, the declaration official from Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum that 2023 is the year of the poly crisis. And they're laying out everything that is uh, taking place as we talked about the food crisis, the energy crisis, the global climate change crisis, and the list goes on. A quick break here. We'll be back with more information here in just one minute. This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, when did the Ice Age happen? Chris, the Bible doesn't mention the Ice Age by name, but it probably occurred in the several hundred years following the flood as an after-effect of the flood. The waters then were probably much warmer than today and would have easily evaporated, pumping great volumes of moisture up into the atmosphere, where it would then condense and fall as snow. The snow continued to build up and packed into ice, which then could flow south, but it certainly didn't cover the entire globe. This would have been happening up through the time of Abraham. Job lived about the time of Abraham, and in the book of Job, ice and snow were mentioned more times than in any other book in the Bible. Job lived in a warm area, but he knew about the ice up in Europe. The ice age would have continued until the oceans gave up their excess heat. And that all happened back in Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT.
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Alex Newman is with us today. And folks, as we speak, the World Economic Forum is meeting and uh, calling 2023 the year of the poly crisis. Now, Alex, we, we just saw the meeting of, you know, the preparatory meeting for the World Health Organization meeting in which we're trying to uh, circumvent the sovereignty of the United States by having this upcoming pandemic treaty that we're all on board with. I mean, as far as our, our national leftist leaders are, but that is a separate thing going on is what this is, but these things are all kind of merging together, aren't they? Yes, they are, and that's exactly what the World Economic Forum has been arguing, that all of these crises that seem separate are actually all one mega crisis, and that the only way to respond is, uh, and if you read the World Economic Forum's agenda, they actually say specifically, we need a new system for work. We need a new system for care. We need a new system for business. We need a new system for the environment. So they're saying, look, all these crises, this is a mega crisis, and you all need to just obey us or you're going to be in big trouble because that's how we're going to deal with the crisis. So a very transparent uh, power grab here. Okay, let me also play another clip here. This is, uh, some have called her the lady in the hat, and I believe this is Fawn Sharp, president of the National Congress of American Indians, also taking it to the next step, uh, indicating that this is also a spiritual crisis. Let's listen. And also our faith leaders, they know that this crisis is much more than physical and environmental schisms. We have a deeply wounded spirit as a people that is in desperate need of healing and restoration. And we must look to our almighty creator to find our proper place in humanity, our proper place as that one strain. Uh, Alex, your response to her. Yeah, I, I think she's more right than she knows, but then she's totally wrong uh, when, she, when it comes to solutions. Because what we're dealing with here on planet Earth right now is a spiritual crisis of massive proportions. In fact, it's a spiritual war. Uh, the Bible explains to us in very clear terms what we're dealing with here. Uh, there is an enemy, Satan, who is roaming about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, and unfortunately, the, the Bible actually refers to him uh, using uh, really interesting terminology like the god of this world, the, the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air, all, all these interesting terms that at first glance seem really strange. But uh, when you think about it, um, there's a reason why the Bible refers to Satan in this way. It's because uh, most of the people on the planet are following Satan in one way or another. And they may not know that. They may be worshiping a rock or a tree or their money or themselves or whatever, but ultimately all of that is satanic. And so Satan has, uh, the Bible says, deceived these people and blinded them. And, um, you know, one of the things that the global elites are really pushing for, we talked about the three-legged stool earlier, is this global spirituality. Now, I, I, I hope people understand here, this is not spirituality in the Christian sense. We're not talking about uh, coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Of course, Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Uh, some of these people will even uh, talk about Jesus, but when you listen carefully to what they're saying, they're talking about a different Jesus than the one the Bible describes. Uh, they regard Jesus as a great moral leader, as a great teacher, as a prophet, not as the Son of God, in fact, God incarnate. And so really they're talking about a different Jesus. And so this one-world spirituality that they are pushing at the World Economic Forum, at the United Nations, in fact, I think the last time I was on we talked about uh, the, the effort to meld the world's religions together and the new Ten Commandments that they had ushered in. Uh, they're not coming out of the closet with this. And uh, people need to recognize that um, some of the language might even sound familiar, right? We're in a spiritual crisis. Well, yeah, we are. But what's the true nature right. of the spiritual crisis, and what is the true solution? The true solution is, of course, Jesus Christ, not a one-world religious system, not um, you know submitting to, to the rule of uh, the spiritual authority of pagans and, uh, and other uh, people who, uh, who are involved in false religions, but, of course, turning to the Word of God and the Son of God. That's where the true answer is, and so I think we need to proclaim that loudly. Alex, you just sent me a, 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 a audio clip here of Al. Or I'm sorry, John Kerry. Get him confused sometimes with Al Gore. They often are messaging the same, but uh, set it up for us. 
Well, so John Kerry gave some very, very bizarre comments, uh, and I just received them right before uh, going on the air with you. But he talks about uh, these solutions to global warming. He says they're almost extraterrestrial. And so I, I think, again, with the spiritual element here, it's coming more and more out of the closet. Uh, uh, a- a- after this program, I encourage people to go open up your Bibles and just go to Ephesians chapter 6 to get a sense of really what's happening here. But uh, I-, I think people need to understand that this so-called fight against global warming um, when you go to these conferences, they are also very open about the fact that they regard this as a spiritual issue. But again, it's not from the Christian perspective. It is from uh, the opposite perspective. And so it was very, very bizarre language coming from a government official uh, in an in a administration that will endlessly tout the uh, separation of church and state and so on. Here's John Kerry. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that... We select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Really, that's where we are, Alex. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think it goes to what we talked about last time I was on the program with these new Ten Commandments. Um, there's kind of a God complex here, that, that there are people who actually think that they are going to save the planet. And, and notice, they, they never reference Jesus Christ right. as the Savior. It, it's we are going to save the planet through our own power. It's almost like we shall be as gods, right? Uh, we are going to do all of this. And uh, that means to me that they have not been reading their Bibles. They do not understand uh, where this planet is heading, right? No amount of uh, human activities or select groups of people coming together in an extraterrestrial manner are going to be able to stop uh, the will and the progress of God's purposes on this planet. But uh, you do have this incredible arrogance, this incredible pride and hubris that, well, we're going to save the planet. And, um, you know, when you have people either who believe that genuinely or people who are using that to manipulate others, uh, it's a very, very dangerous situation, right? This almost messianic complex that we are the saviors. Frankly, no human being is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior, the God-man, God incarnate, not John Kerry, not his select group of individuals. Um, It's God. Alex, you recently wrote on Liberty Sentinel and folks again, the website libertysentinel.org on a column, Desperate Deep State Planning Intense Chaos in 2023. And in that column, you said this, the Desperate Deep, Deep State is planning intense chaos in multiple areas to cover their tracks and distract the public away from the extreme crimes globalist elites have committed. What crimes are you referring to? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, we have to look at these injections, um, these so-called COVID vaccines that were uh, not not just promoted to the public, but mandated uh, against Americans. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this is a criminal operation of the highest order. Uh, we now have the Pfizer documents. They knew that these injections were not preventing COVID. In fact, in their own documents, they say COVID is often a side effect of taking a COVID injection. Um, so we also know that uh, the number of uh, terrible adverse events that was being reported was off the charts. We'd never seen anything like that with any medical product ever in American history. Um, it just thousands and thousands and thousands of reports of people dying, people having strokes, people having heart attacks, people having sudden cardiac arrest where their heart just stops. Uh, in fact, that happened to my dad. Uh, less than two days after taking the Pfizer injection, his heart just completely stopped. Uh, and so we have... Uh, an enormous crime here that's been perpetrated. Uh, these people knew about this. They conspired to cover it up. Uh, and that's just one of many. Uh, then we can look at what they have done to the food sector, to the agricultural sector. They are waging war on farmers, not just in the United States, but all around the world. Uh, and they're doing so very strategically. And um, you know, we're going to start seeing more and more devastation resulting from this, even in places like the United States. Already there are famines going on around the world. Uh, there are people all around the planet right now, millions of them who cannot access food. 
uh, in large part because of the destruction of our food supply. Uh, we're seeing the same thing with what they've done to the energy sector, shutting down power plants all over the world. Now, just uh, recently, we saw what happened in the United States when it got cold. Uh, well, you had rolling blackouts. People literally died. I think a couple dozen, at least in Buffalo, power goes out. It's freezing outside. We have people die. So uh, these, as far as I'm concerned, are, are crimes perpetrated against the American people, crimes perpetrated against uh, people around the world. And the truth is starting to come out about this. Um, and, and you can see this very clearly, right? If you go to uh, Twitter, for example, and, and look at what happens when these elites, the head of the U.N. or, or Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, or the U.N. Uh, post something on Twitter, you'll find, you know, 100 uh, anti-comments to every one pro-comment, and the one pro-comment is probably a bot. So you've got tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people around the world who recognize these crimes, these abuses. Uh, they're demanding to be heard. They're seeking justice. And uh, there's going to have to be some pretty significant distractions if they're going to try to put a stop to this. Alex, uh, I'd like to uh, also just have you examine all that we're seeing right now with they're throwing out all of these crises. Um, are they actually trying to throw the world into into chaos? I mean, is is that the intended purpose here, to purposefully put this world into chaos? I believe that is exactly what's going on. The occultists and the New Agers, um, uh, going back a long time, have had this little saying they, they like to say among themselves. It's a order out of chaos or order ordo ab chaos. And so they, they have this belief that if they can create enough chaos, then they can use that as a pretext for restructuring things, for grabbing power. Uh, and I mean, they've said this publicly many times, right? We all remember uh, Obama's chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, coming out publicly and saying, uh, oh, crises, yeah, that's an opportunity to do things that you mm -hmm. didn't think you could do before. Right? Well, not for us. A crisis is terrible. We're losing our jobs. We're, we're, our kids are hungry. What do you mean that's an opportunity? Right? Uh, that's a very disturbing way of looking at this. So um, I believe they engineered a lot of these crises um, into existence for the purpose of advancing the agenda that they already had. Uh, and so, and, and we could look at each one of these individually, but you look, for example, at the food crisis that's been engineered. Well, for many, many years now, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, the, the Bill Gates Network, the Soros Network, they've been advocating for this transformation of the food supply. The UN has been doing that, too. So this is a really good opportunity from their perspective to advance their agenda. Um, the energy crisis that they have engineered uh, under the guise of saving us from climate change. Um, in summer of 2022, the Council on Foreign Relations, that was a magazine called Foreign Affairs, they published an article saying that it was time for a new energy order, where basically the government would take total control of energy systems, production, distribution, allocation, and even rationing, uh, all across the Western world. Uh, I mean, this is like the Soviet model, right? And we know how tragic that ended. So uh, I believe, yes, they are engineering these crises for specific purposes, and um, they've told us what the purposes are. I mean, Klaus Schwab wrote a book on the Great Reset. That's just kind of the newest term to describe their end objective, a one-world system where people really don't have uh, much freedom. And, of course, there's a spiritual component to all of this. So. There really is. And coupled with this as well, we're told about a population crisis, and overpopulation is a big issue as well. And, and really, they're trying to limit that population, actually cut it back. Yeah, they are. And, and again, they've been very open about this as well. I've talked to a lot of these globalists at these conferences, and they'll openly tell you they think there are way too many people on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's interesting, this melds right in with the one world religion thing, too. Uh, one of the premier organizations pushing the, the unification of all religions is called Religions for Peace. Uh, it's funded by the United Nations. It's funded by the U.S. State Department, by George Soros, by the Rockefellers and all the rest. Uh, the, the previous head of it was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. The current head of it, uh, Dr. Uh, Azra Karim, I think her name is, um, her previous job was at the U.N. Population Fund, which exists to lower the population on planet Earth. If we do a real good job at these vaccines, we'll be able to save life and reduce the population. Bill Gates. Folks, we'll yep. be back in just one minute. Alex Newman, our guest today, 2023, the year of the poly crises. We'll be right back. The rise of fentanyl overdose deaths is skyrocketing and has been the leading cause of death in adults ages 18 to 45. Street drugs have been laced with it, creating new lines of counterfeit pills. Fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times stronger than morphine. Sadly, many looking for their next high are experimenting with fentanyl and losing their life as a result. Addressing the issue from a biblical perspective is Mark Shaw 
founder of the Addiction Connection. In his 33-page booklet, Fentanyl, Mark examines many topics including pain management, what God says about drugs, why people are overdosing, and hope and answers from God's perspective. He addresses issues of the heart which lead many to addiction. The booklet Fentanyl is available for a donation of $6 or three copies for $15. Call VCY at 1-800-729-9829. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, friends, within just a couple hours of this interview today, we will have this posted on our website, crosstalkamerica.com. Can I encourage you to, to, to download the programs, to send links to others, to inform them so that they can be informed too? I mean, send it out through your social media sites, whatever means you have to get it out there. If you'd like hard copy CDs to cover the duplication and, and, and uh, postage costs, we do ask for a donation of $6 or more for a CD. You can call our office here at one 800 729 9829 to request a CD in order to get the information out in whatever means you have available or to just re-listen to it at your convenience. But but to certainly take a link to the broadcast, get it out there so others can be informed as to this matter. Uh, Alex, uh, let's talk about another crisis because it is also uh, something that that is uh, coming to bear before us as well, and that is a currency crisis. Comment on that, if you would. Yeah, I think we're very rapidly headed into a a global crisis when it comes to uh, monetary policy, and I think it's going to affect the United States worse than probably any other place because the U.S. dollar currently functions and has functioned uh, for many, many decades as the global reserve currency. Uh, back in 1971, the U.S. dollar officially became a full-blown fiat currency and then has been the anchor of the global monetary system ever since. Uh, and so I think we're we're very rapidly headed toward um, massive devaluation. I think we're going to be seeing a shift away from the dollar as the global reserve. And I think that's going to cause a massive devaluation in the dollar. And of course, uh, that kind of economic turmoil in the United States, the, the most important economy in the world, is going to have huge repercussions for the rest of the planet. And so as we head into a currency crisis, uh, these people have for many, many years, in fact, for decades, been working on uh, the so-called solution to the currency crisis that's coming. Uh, and they've got several key policies that they want to uh, impose on humanity. Uh, one of them is the central bank digital currency. Now, this is being coordinated by the Bank for International Settlements, one of the most important institutions most people never heard of. And um, ultimately, the objective is to completely eliminate physical cash and move everybody onto digital currency, where everything you buy, everything you sell, everything you get paid, every single penny is tracked, is monitored, is processed through artificial intelligence, and all the rest of it. Uh, Another big solution they want on this front is a one-world currency. Now, they've debated among themselves for a long time, should we go first to regional currencies all over the world and then to a global currency, like, you know, the euro? Uh, Back in 2005, uh, the U.S. government under George W. Bush was plotting a a monetary union, a single currency for all of North America. And we've got the documents from the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa proving that. Uh, they're talking about introducing an Afro in Africa. Um, so all over the world, they're talking about these regional currencies. And so as uh, the U.S. dollar becomes increasingly unstable and the global currency system becomes increasingly unstable, I think we'll move very rapidly into central bank digital currencies alongside cash and then ultimately removing cash entirely and also uh, toward either a regional currency or even straight into a full-blown one-world currency managed by the International Monetary Fund. Um, it already exists. They call it the special drawing rights. I call it a proto-global currency. And uh, I think as the dollar loses its status as the global reserve, uh, after maybe some interim period in which there's a few different currencies competing, we may see a very rapid shift into using the SDR as the one-world currency, right. starting for international exchanges and then later moving its way down. Uh, one other aspect I'd like to, I just came across uh, an article I had in my stack here, and this is from last fall uh, in September, and this is uh, the World Food Program Director, David Beasley, who is speaking with the Associated Press, and he's saying it's a perfect storm on top of a perfect storm. And with the fertilizer crisis we're facing right now, with droughts, we're facing a food pricing problem in 2022. This created havoc around the world. If we don't get a, on top of this quickly, and I don't mean next year, I mean this year, you will have a food availability problem in 2023. There we go with another crisis. 
Yep, and and again, they've been engineering this for a long time. I, I've been following the war on farmers for over a decade in my journalistic work. Um, it actually took me a little while to connect the dots because I saw they're waging war on farmers in South Africa. They're waging war on farmers in Brazil. The excuses are totally different, right? Totally different excuse for why they needed to destroy their agricultural producers. Uh, then they're waging war in the United States they're, uh, on the farmers in the United States. They're waging war on the farmers in China. They're waging war on the farmers in India and Sri Lanka. Uh, and, and in each case, it's a different pretext. It's a different strategy. But in each case, it's also uh, always headed toward the same objective, destruction of the existing food supply, especially the independent farmer, the independent rancher, and the move toward total centralization of the food supply. And so I think this crisis that they are engineering, that they have engineered over a long period of time, uh, is going to culminate in a radical transformation of the food supply, uh, up to and including, and I first sounded the alarm about this in 2013 when somebody in the U.N. sent me a report from the U.N. World Food Program uh, having us eat bugs. Yeah. They were talking about it then, a decade ago? Yes. Uh, in fact, I wrote the first article about it in the world. It was published by the New American. It was called UN colon Let Them Eat Bugs. Wow. Uh, and you know, nobody had seen this report. It was from the UN Food and Agriculture Organization, very obscure UN agency and a very obscure report. Somebody sent it to me and said, Alex, this is important. You need to pay attention. And what they said in there is that we need the whole world to eat bugs to save the planet from climate change and be more sustainable. The way we're going to make that happen is we're going to brainwash children in public schools. I mean, that's not the terminology they use, but we're going to educate kids on the benefit of eating bugs. Uh, and we're going to propagandize people using the media, especially yeah. state-funded media. And so now we see kids in America, even here in Florida, parents have been sending me the documents of their children in fifth grade being taught that they need to eat bugs and that my, that's going to save my. the planet. And also NPR, uh, uh, PB, PBS, whatever, all these uh, government-funded propaganda things are promoting the eating of bugs. And so they've been on this for at least a decade. Alex, this, this whole talk of crisis and, and we are the solution to all of this uh, and dominate control, uh, is this new or have we been down this road before? Uh, we've been down this road before many, many, many times. Uh, in, in fact, in my presentations that I've been giving around the country on this poly crisis, which, again, I started long before they announced it, um, I, I gave a few really obvious examples. Um, you know, one of the big ones was the Great Depression. Now, uh, Federal Reserve Chief Ben Bernanke, the former Federal Reserve Chair, actually admitted publicly that the Federal Reserve helped cause the Great Depression and then helped make it worse. Now, he doesn't admit that they did it on purpose, but, uh, you know, I don't believe these people are stupid for a moment. But what happened with the Great Depression? Well, the mega bankers were able to come in and buy up everything for pennies on the dollar, uh, bankrupted businesses, they bought up all the farms, everything. Uh, and then what happened? They radically expanded the size and the scope of the federal government. They banned private ownership of gold. Right? They had all these solutions ready in the wings. Um, World War I was another really good example, and even World War II. Right? Out of the ashes of World War I, they built the League of Nations. Uh, that didn't succeed, so then out of the ashes of World War II, which, by the way, Wall Street financiers were very active in financing the Nazis, uh, the Rockefellers, even the Bush dynasty. Uh, the Rockefellers were some of the biggest financiers of the pseudo-scientific racial research of Dr. Joseph Mengele and others. Uh, and so after World War II, what happened? Well, we got the United Nations. We got the International Monetary Fund. We got the World Bank. Right? So we got all these international institutions that then paved the way for creating a, a one-world government. So this is not a new tactic. It's been used uh, many, many times. And if you go back far enough, um, you know, this idea that powerful people are conspiring for evil purposes, I always tell people, go to Psalm 2. Uh, if you start in verse 2, it says, the kings of the earth uh, conspire together, is uh, what a lot of translations use. Others use, uh, take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed one. It says, the kings of the earth and the rulers are taking counsel together. They're conspiring against God. So this is not a new problem, but uh, folks, don't be afraid. In fact, if you go down just uh, two more verses, if you go down to verse 4, uh, we read that God laughs at these people, uh, he ridicules them, and, and ultimately he's going to pour out his wrath on them. So this is not going to end well for them. I, I think they think they're very clever um, manufacturing crises and then posing as the saviors, but um, I can guarantee you it's going to end very, very badly for them. Alex, another, another part of this whole uh, summit that is taking play, place is to battle what they call disinformation. I mean, uh, the things you've been sharing here today on Crosstalk, I mean, you're, you're in essence public enemy number one as it relates to sharing the kind of things that they don't want, you know, they, they want people to be complicit, to be fearful, uh, fear-mongering uh, through their through through their tactics here and wanting to strike at what they call disinformation. That's right, and, and they've recognized. And in fact, they recognized years ago that 
people were getting the truth no matter how much they were rigging their algorithms. So finally they started banning everybody. Um, they actually had a panel on disinformation yesterday, and uh, the vice president of the European Commission, I call it the European Soviet, publicly said, and I've got the video, that uh, there was going to be hate speech laws in America uh, and that they'd be coming soon. She was on a panel with uh, Brian Stelter, the, you know, the fired uh, CNN propagandist, and uh, that was really interesting. Why does she think we're going to have hate speech laws in America? We still have the First Amendment. Uh, and, of course, people need to understand, too, when they talk about hate speech, they really mean speech that they hate. Um, of course, hate speech is actually a Soviet concept. It was the Soviet Union that tried to get this language adopted by the U.N., uh, just a couple of days ago, the U.N. put out a meme on Twitter saying that words can be violence and uh, we need to fight against hate speech. They give you um, recommended tactics when you come across hate speech. One of the things they say is to report it to police and prosecutors. And again, we need to understand that by hate speech, they don't mean what they want you to think. Right? We're not talking about racism, etc. Ultimately, they view the gospel as hate speech. They view the idea that um, you know, a Christian would identify sin as sin and point to Jesus Christ as the solution to that sin. They view that as hate speech, and they have shown it over and over and over again. Now, over a decade ago, the Swedish uh, Justice Ombudsman actually investigated the Bible for hate speech and concluded, I kid you not, that the Bible was, in fact, hate speech uh, and a violation of Swedish law. Uh, they, they did say that it wasn't practical to ban the Bible at that time, uh, and they proposed uh, changing the language and the wording so that it wouldn't violate Swedish law. But that's where this is ultimately going, folks. We saw that lady recently arrested in the U.K. for praying silently in yes. front of an abortion yes. clinic. We've seen pastors arrested. That's where this is going if we don't uh, stand in the way or if God doesn't intervene. Friends, our phone number to Crosstalk today for your questions or brief comments, 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. One last question here before the break, Alex. Okay, so we got the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, and other agencies as well. How do we respond to this as believers in Christ? How can we how can we stand against that which we know is unjust and 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 wrong? Uh, they they're they're trying to build fear in us. How do we respond in times like these? Uh, well, thank you, Jim. And I, I would say first thing is uh, the Lord did not send you a spirit of fear. So if you're responding with fear, that is not of God. Knock it out right now. Uh, secondly, get on your knees and pray. I mean, that needs to be our first response to every crisis. God. What's going on here? How should I respond? And then open up the Word. What does God's Word say about these things? Well, one of the things it says is, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear is the tool of the enemy to manipulate us. So we need to lean ever more closely into our Savior. We need to get back into the Word and be um, reading and studying and understanding and discerning what the Word of God reveals to us. Um, and then I think we need to rebuke and reprove, right? Uh, Ephesians 5.11 has been uh, one of my mottos as a journalist for many years. And uh, in there, the Apostle Paul says we should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we should reprove them. We should mm -hmm. expose them. And so I say, uh, you know, I'm incredibly blessed to be able to reprove and expose six days a week. And as long as God gives me breath, I intend to continue doing that. The body of Christ is, is one body with many members. All of us have different purposes and functions, but find out what God would have you do and get busy doing it. And uh, Alex also just to highlight another passage you quoted from earlier and referred to earlier, I should say, to encourage us to study Ephesians 6, to understand this is very much a spiritual battle that we're in. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and the Bible explains it in very plain language. It's not flesh yeah. and blood that we're up against. It's not George Soros and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Uh, it's powers and principalities, the spiritual wickedness and darkness in high places. That's what we're up against. And then God gives us the tools to defend ourselves, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And having done all to stand. Folks, we'll be back in one minute. Phone lines are packed. We'll get to your calls here in our final segment as well. Alex Newman is with us today as 2023 has been declared the year of the poly crisis. We'll be back in just a minute. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. On January 10th, 2023, the White House website and the website of the Canadian government and Justin Trudeau announced that indeed, the three leaders from Canada, America, and Mexico met. And what are they discussing? 
Well, according to their own January 10th, 2023 press release, they're merging America, Mexico, and Canada, the North American Union. In fact, it was called a North American Declaration. I was interviewing Phyllis Schlafly about this 20 plus years ago. Many of us were talking about it. We were called, well, conspiracy theorists. Well, here it is. And the Republicans under George W. Bush were working on this. And now so is the Biden administration. Will this fit with Bible prophecy, the world divided into 10 regions with 10 kings who give their power to the beast? Stay tuned. The program is called Crosstalk, coming your way from the VCY American Network. Alex Newman is with us today. I did refer to his one website, LibertySentinel.org, but so many articles and columns as well you're going to find at TheNewAmerican.com. Alex, you're writing for them. There's other writers, too, that are exposing what's taking place with all of these U.N. things we've been talking about. Yes, sir. I would say the New American Magazine is the premier publication in the world that has been exposing these things for longer than I've been alive. Uh, so uh, for those who are not subscribers yet, I encourage you to go to thenewamerican.com. Uh, you get two issues delivered to your door every month. And, um, you know, we, we've been sounding the alarm about this for decades, in fact, for generations. And uh, now it's all coming out into the open. So praise the Lord. They can't hide now. Thenewamerican.com. Let's go to Doug in Georgia. You're on the air, Doug. I just want to say how disappointed I am in Governor Kemp of Georgia. And when I see Marjorie Taylor Greene again, I'm going to tell her that. She'll let it be made known. Thank you for that. Alex, could some be attending this summit in order to gain information, or do you think they're being influenced by the information? Yeah, I think it's a fair question. Um, I quoted Ephesians 5.11 earlier, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so for, for me, you know, I, I would have a guilty conscience about going and participating in something like this, unless my only purpose was to go there and expose and reprove and so on. Um, I, I do think a lot of people try to justify this to themselves by saying, well, I'm just going to gain influence so I can use it for good purposes. Uh, I don't know whether Governor Kemp falls into that category, but I do think it's very strange that of all the possible people that they could have invited to this thing, they chose Governor Kemp, especially after all the, the scandals involving concerns about election integrity. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, somebody ought to ask him this question, maybe even under oath. You know, what were you doing there? What's your relationship with these people? Um, what did you gather there? And how is that supposed to benefit the people of your state? How is that supposed to benefit the political party you claim to be uh, affiliated with? Um, I think these are questions that need to be asked, not just of Governor Kemp, but of every American who is over there, especially our public officials who are, are paid by our tax dollars. Rex in Mora, Minnesota, you're on the air. Hi, Jim and Alex. Um, it sure seems like with everything that's going on in the world that we're entering into this man-made time of tribulation, as it talks about in the Bible. And uh, like what Tim LaHaye did and Jerry Jenkins, they wrote a book uh, about being left behind, um, getting, well, actually they're saving souls. I know a lot of people came to know Christ just through reading um, the Left Behind book. And if um, I've got all of this in my head, but I don't know how to write a book. Okay. Well, let me just put it this way, Rex. I guess what we're seeing is so many things coming together. Alex, we've been foretold so many of these things in, in the book of Revelation, uh, the, the the coming mark. We know there's one going to one day be a one-world system here. And when we see all of these uh, uh, things being, as some would say, the stage being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, it ought to be a wake-up call to us. Absolutely. And uh, actually, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit used to get a hold of me and show me that the Bible was true. I was studying a lot of this stuff before I knew the Lord, and uh, the Holy Spirit just used that and said, you know, what are you studying on YouTube and, and on the Internet for? You can find all this in the Word of God and so much more. So uh, I, I do encourage people to be reading their Bibles, be trying to uh, discern the times. And um, yeah, I think thinking about eschatology is very important. And it's, it's also a really good ministry opportunity mm. for us to, uh, to share with others. Uh, as these things come to pass. But as evil, you know, runs more and more wild, and as we worry about, you know, persecution coming and things, um, I, I think we need to be rejoicing, because God is ultimately in charge. Uh, the evildoers will be stopped. There's no question about it. Yeah, it may be rough in the meantime, 
Uh, one of the things that I've done with, with my own kids is read um, you know, Vox's Book of Martyrs. There's nothing yeah. new that Christians have been persecuted, but guess what? God promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Church. Amen. So Satan can wage war on the Church all he wants. It's not going anywhere until God says. Friends, realize the great I Am still is. Let's go to uh, Carol from Mc, uh, McMillerville, T- uh, Tennessee. You're on the air. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what foods will be in shortage this year and, and what we can do, and I will listen off the air. Thank you. Okay, thank you. The food crisis, Alex. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I would say one of the really obvious ones is eggs. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody who's been to the grocery store lately has noticed that eggs are like two times more expensive than they were just recently, in some cases three times more expensive. Uh, I think beef is going to become increasingly expensive and increasingly hard to find. Um, we're going to see. I think. I, I think America is probably one of the best situated countries because we have so much productive farmland. We have so many productive farmers. It's very, very difficult to engineer food shortages here. That's why they've had to work so hard. But uh, you know, eggs, uh, cow meat, beef. Uh, those I think are probably going to be the first ones that we'll start noticing, uh, and then maybe later uh, even uh, some staple foods. So uh, you know, I, I don't want people to be freaking out about it or right. paranoid or anything like that. But uh, you know, the Book of Proverbs does tell us that the wise man sees what's coming and prepares himself. Uh, it's also a really wonderful ministry opportunity. If uh, you know you've got some chickens in your backyard and they're making eggs, and your neighbor would like uh, an egg sandwich, well, maybe you can invite him over and share the gospel with him. So. Great opportunities. And, and again, the crises continue to unfold. Just reading a couple days about uh, those who are entering our country illegally are going through some of the croplands that harvest the greatest amount, 90% of the nation's romaine and, and leaf lettuce, and talking about a possible shortage coming up for it. So, I mean, folks, it's, it's just one thing compounding another. Uh, Larry is next, La Crosse, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hi. So uh, I can relate uh, a little bit uh, to, to your position. I'm uh, I am also someone who's recently coming into the faith of the Lord and Jesus Christ. And um, back to your comment about the uh, people perceiving the gospel as sin. Um, I don't know if it's so much about like people perceiving it as sin, but there are some phrases that may like illustrate that uh, bring some confusion on. Like I don't quote the Bible yet; I'm still kind of learning on it. But like, there's a phrase that says, "Man may not lay with man," and there are people who are, you know, people who are. Uh, believers in the Catholic faith and people who are not, but look at them and say, like, oh, God hates gay people, which is not true. Uh, what would you say for people who are learning more about the gospel, where to, like, look for more, like, actual uh, readings of the scriptures and how to interpretate them better? Well, I, I think the, the book of Romans, uh, in my view, offers the most clear presentation of the gospel. But to, to clarify what I meant earlier when I was talking about ultimately the gospel being in the crosshairs here, uh, and we actually are starting to see this in the United States now. Uh, we've seen uh, numerous states and many city governments ban what they call conversion therapy. Um, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. The premise of banning conversion therapy is that you are born a homosexual. There's nothing that can be done about that. That's who you are. That's your identity. And the idea that Jesus Christ can save you from that uh, and that it's sinful um, is is wrong and is wicked. And, uh, you know, I, I think we really need to resist that. We need to keep preaching the truth. But again, Romans is a great place to, uh, to just come to know the gospel of salvation better. Thank you for the call. We are out of time. Alex Newman with us today, thenewamerican.com. Alex, thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Friends, thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.